Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Give me a minute just to look at your beautiful faces. Hi, guys. Good to see some of you. Well, good morning. As I said, it's good to be with you. I'm Heather. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're really glad that you're with us today, especially if you're new or if you're joining us online. We're really glad you're here. If you haven't met me, I would love to meet you even after the service. It would be great to actually say hi. And uh, today, like Michael said, we are finishing up our series called Best Supporting Role. Have you guys loved it? Hasn't it been so good? So good. I have loved it. Well, so far we've covered who? We've covered Abigail, Jonathan, Mordecai, Joseph, John the Baptist, and Andrew last week by Andrew himself. And as we've seen, the Bible, it is filled with inspiring stories of background characters that God uses to impact his kingdom. And they're characters that we may be familiar with, but we don't, maybe they're not well known to us. And it's kind of like somebody that you've seen from a distance that you recognize, but you haven't had a conversation with, you know? Well, it's kind of like that. We've had a chance to do that over the series, sit down and really look at these characters and get to know them a little bit better. And, and the church then and now, as we know, has been sustained and blessed and enriched by those who are unsung heroes by individuals whose names were never printed up in lights, but by people maybe known by only a few in their close circle of friends. But what we have discovered, right, is that there is no one, no one that is insignificant in the purposes of God, in the purposes of God. And I think we all need that encouragement, don't we? We are all needed and we have a purpose and a role to play in God's kingdom. These stories build us up in that truth. And in a world where we are constantly seemingly torn down by criticism and negativity and harsh words and judgment, uh, man, I think this is the kind of thing that we need to be reminded of. Because if I know anything, we do not, as people grow, we do not grow into the people that God wants us to be in critical, judgmental, harsh soil, do we? We just don't. Constructive criticism is one thing, especially from good friends, but a culture of criticism causes us to actually shrink back into self-protection. So things like creativity is stifled, vulnerability is stifled, growth is stifled, and gifting is stifled. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I was in a a setting last week, a really special setting where, if I was honest, I felt a little bit out of my element. And there was some fear in me, if I'm honest, and, and I noticed it. And, and then I saw one of, the, one of our church members there, and I went over, gave him a hug, and, and he just put his big old arm around me. And in that moment, I think under this inspiration of the Spirit, he just spoke a simple but powerful word of encouragement over me. And I just felt like the Lord was like, Heather, listen, receive this. 
And I was like, whoa. And it, you know, it, what it did was it kind of melted the fear right off of me. And I realized, God, I, I just need to get my eyes back on you in this moment. And, and through his simple word of encouragement, it got my eyes off myself and back on to the Lord. And I was able to be much more present in that moment and more vulnerable. And it was so sweet to just see community in action like that, right? And what we'll see today, what we'll see today is that encouragement is really what makes us flourish in this life. And not just individually, but corporately as well. Corporately as well. And we need each other, don't we? <laughs> we need each other to speak life over areas of discouragement that have taken hold in our hearts. We need people that are willing to jump into the ditch with us into the mess with us and, and not judge us and not try to fix us, but walk alongside of us, to walk alongside of us, to put that big old arm around us and remind us to put our trust in the Lord, to put our trust in the Lord. So today, oh, we're getting to look at one of my favorite characters, favorite characters, Barnabas, and his influence in the life of Paul. And by looking at how Barnabas supported Paul, we're gonna see the importance and the power of encouragement in our lives and in the life of the church. See, encouragement is so much more than just mere trite words, like a compliment or a little pat on the back. So much more than that. And it really is an essential tool and a gift that we can all grow in and engage in. So let's take some time this morning just to invite more of the Lord's presence to be with us as we open his word together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your community that you've given us and for your presence here at work in our lives. We pray for more. We just pray for more. Mm. Lord Jesus, you say that you are interceding for us even right now at the very throne room of God for us. And so we pray, God, that you would help us to partner with you this morning, to stay behind you, to follow your lead. Would you just... Give us soft hearts to hear from you today, and I pray that you would encourage us through your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first I wanna start off by looking at who Barnabas was. In case anyone doesn't know, I think it's a great place to start, right? And we are introduced to Barnabas. We first meet him in Acts 4, verses 36 through 37. And if anyone was here when I preached a couple months ago about Ananias and Sapphira, well, this is Barnabas right before this. This is when we're first introduced to him. And it says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here we see this is the first appearance in the New Testament, and it shows him as one of the earliest converts in the early church. And he sells a parcel of land, maybe from Cyprus, Cyprus um, giving the proceeds, all of it, to the apostles. He was from strong Jewish roots as a Levite, but he was also a foreigner. He came from the largest island in the Mediterranean, which is Cyprus. So he was a Greek-speaking Hellenistic Jew, much like Paul was. And we see that he quickly becomes highly admired and respected a leader within the circle of leaders there in Jerusalem. And what's most significant about him is not his religious background or his family of origin, but the fact that he was given a nickname, a nickname. Uh, some of us have nicknames. 
<laughs> none of which we would ever tell a living soul. We once had to die, you know, whatever that was. A lot of us have nicknames we'd rather not remember, right? Maybe it was given to us in school. Uh, maybe it just kind of stuck for a while. Or maybe it's, you know, what your, what your family calls you at home. Maybe there's a, a name, a pet name that they have. You're like, I would never want anyone to know <laughs> this nickname. But there's some nicknames that are just so good. They just stick and they actually replace your actual name. I know some people like this, one of which is called Bubba and everybody just calls him Bubba, but that's not his name. <laughs> you just, there are people like that where a nickname just sticks. So here we have Barnabas and Barnabas is nicknamed by the apostles themselves, which is kind of cool. And it's thought that the name Barnabas may be derived from two Aramaic words, Bar, meaning son or son of, and Nabi, which is prophet. And in the Jewish culture, to call somebody a son of something meant that they were characterized by that thing. So Barnabas is characterized by a strong prophetic gifting. And if we know anything about prophetic giftings is that one of the effects is encouragement. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, we read that, but the, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So if Barnabas's life is so characterized by encouragement that everyone referred to him as such by name, then what do we actually mean by encouragement? I wanna start there. So why is encouragement so important and what is it? When you look at that word, encouragement, what are the first two letters? E-N, and that means into, okay? That's into. And then the next word that you kind of read in the word encouragement is courage, right? Courage. So you might say it really essentially means to put courage into someone, to put courage into someone. A shorter definition might be encouragement is a courage infusion a hope infusion, a confidence infusion. One psychologist said encouragement involves affirmations, but affirmations that instill courage, perseverance, confidence, inspiration, and hope. And in ancient Greece, the word for encouragement was actually used to describe speeches, speeches by leaders and soldiers who were urging each other on in battle. It's the word used to rally fearful and cowardly, hesitant soldiers and sailors to move courageously forward. Think of brave heart, you know? Like, I mean, that, that was encouragement. I mean, that's like a different kind of view of encouragement when you have that mental image in your mind. See, encouragement takes someone who's ready to throw in the towel and give it all up, and, and it causes the person to keep going to keep going, to, to persevere, to not, to not give up, to give it another shot. And, and, and the word actually in the Greek that we see in the Bible here is, is parakaleo or parakalesis. And it's, it's similar to our English word in the sense that there are two parts to it. And kaleo meaning to call, meaning to call. It means to point people toward a goal or a truth. It's to call something out and it's a really strong word which we don't really think of when we think of the word encouragement, do we? But, but kaleo here, it's a strong word and it's paired with the word para, which actually means, which means to come alongside. So think of the words that we have. We actually have this in the English language, right? We have paralegal or paramedic, right? They come alongside of you. 
And it means to come alongside, to beseech someone, to exhort someone, to encourage them, comfort them, strengthen them. And, and the, really the primary means that we see in the Bible for exhortation or encouragement is to remind the hearer of the powerful and amazing work of God, to bolster someone's trust in God, to bolster their trust in God. It is way more than just some nice little compliment, you know? It is speaking words of life over people, words of life over people. And we see that in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has what? The power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We all know that words are powerful. They are, they're really powerful. One writer said this, encouraging words are difficult to remember, but discouraging words are difficult to forget. Has someone ever said something to you that was wounding or hurtful that you can remember even decades later? even decades later. Someone said something to you, maybe when you were a child or a teenager or a young adult about your looks or about your intelligence or your potential or about your work. And even though it was said, what, like years ago, it still has a sting to it, doesn't it? See, every person you meet is dying for words of life, for words of encouragement, for words of encouragement. Someone once said, when, when we encourage others, we breathe hope into their existence. Hope into their existence. We're not talking about pithy little com- compliments here. We're talking about words of life, real words of hope and courage. Now let's look at how we can then learn to be encouragers like Barnabas by looking at how Barnabas supports Paul And I love the interaction between these two. I mean, it it gives me a lot of comfort in my marriage. I feel like I'm married to a Paul. So, you know, it's really, I really love this guy a lot. But what we see first is is actually in, in chapter nine of Acts, and we see Barnabas endorsing Paul. We see Barnabas endorsing Paul. This is an element of encouragement. And we read this, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And whenever you read Saul, I want you to just think of Paul. They're the same, name, the same guy, just the same, two different names for the same guy, Saul and Paul. When Paul returned to Jerusalem after his conversion and after his lengthy stay in Arabia, the apostles obviously and understandably were a little cautious of this guy. If you know anything about Paul before his conversion, he was persecuting Christians. And so they're pretty skeptical, but Barnabas is the one guy who trusts the integrity of Paul's conversion. He trusts him and and he becomes his advocate among the Jerusalem leaders. See, with Barnabas' encouragement, Paul is welcomed into the heart of the church's life there in Jerusalem. I think Barnabas was the kind of guy, a, a man who insisted on believing the best in people, even if it meant sticking out his neck a little bit to do it. When others suspected Paul of being a spy, Barnabas insisted on believing he was genuine. He acted as Paul's sponsor. He essentially said, you guys don't need to know Paul. 
you need to trust me. You need to trust me. I vetted him. I vetted him and I know about the integrity in his life and the reality of his conversion in Damascus. Paul needed someone to open the door for him to the disciples in Jerusalem. And it was Barnabas who himself ran ahead of him and opened the door and welcomed him into the church. All the rest of the doors had been slammed in Paul's face when they saw him come and they were like, eh. But Barnabas was like, this way, come this way. And I love that it says here, it says he took him. <laughs> I love that. Encouragers don't seem to like be pushy people, but Barnabas was, he was like, he took him, he took him. And that means, that involves time, doesn't it? That involves time to take someone yourself. And it involves effort. Sometimes it involves rearranging your plans a little bit. And since most of us, if we're honest, are a little cagey about our time and not necessarily committed with our effort and don't like our plans being rearranged as much, this can be hard to do. This can be hard to do. I mean, he doesn't recommend someone else to take him. He doesn't draw him a map. He doesn't give him directions. He takes him himself. See, if we wanna be encouragers in our lives to the people around us, we need to be willing to recommend people, to endorse them, to stick up for them, to defend them, even if it means being a little inconvenienced. I love this story that I read recently. And it was a story of a church on the West Coast in the 1960s. And if you know anything about the West Coast in the 1960s, is these were the hippie days. And this was the time where the Jesus movement was starting to just percolate. And people, like people all over the place were coming to know Jesus. And a lot of like hippies and, and you know, people that were surfers were coming to know the Lord and they were starting to infiltrate the churches in that, those areas. Well, there was this one church and it was, it was a nice church. I mean, everybody came to church with like three-piece suit and a dress and a hat. I mean, it was just like, it was a nice church. And one day, this, this man, who was a hippie, decided to come to church and that's the church he picked. And when he walked in the door, Boy, he had his hair down past his shoulders, scruffy beard, you know, and just bell-bottom jeans, you know, called cut off at the bottom. And, and he walks in, they take one look at him and no one greets him. He just walks right in. He's kind of, hmm, okay, you know. And, and, and so he comes up to the first, you know, set of rows in the back there and, and no one moves. No one helps him find a seat. And then the church is pretty packed at this point. And as so he keeps walking down the aisle and, and he's looking for a place, no one moves. And you can just hear all the people in the room starting to like make comments under their breath. Oh my gosh, like what is he doing here? And is he in the wrong place, you know? And, uh, and, and he just keeps walking because he's like, where am I gonna find a place? Well, so he gets to the very last row in the very front of the church and he's like, well, I just, just sit down here. And he plops himself down right in the middle of the aisle in the very front, crosses his legs and just decides to sit there for the rest of the service. And the rest of the church, you can hear like an audible groan come throughout the, oh, seriously. And, and, and so they're starting, what are we gonna do? Like, this is not okay. And, and, but they see the senior deacon in the back gets up from his row and, and starts to walk down that middle aisle. And they're like, oh, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of this guy. And I mean, this guy's pretty, pretty nice looking too. He's got a three-piece suit on. He's got a little pin in his tie. And you know, he's walking down and they're like, okay, good. He's gonna take care of this. Well, he walks all the way down to the front. What does he do? He sits right down, right next to that man, crosses his legs and sits there with him the rest of the service. Talk about a way of quieting down a crowd <laughs> or a church congregation. That 
is an example of a Barnabas, isn't it? Somebody willing to stick their neck out there for someone else. See, what if, it, what if we took what was given to us, and, and I really mean that, given to us, things like our reputation, our careers, our, dare I say, privilege, your respect that you have, your influence, and you used it to elevate someone else. What if you used it to elevate someone else? That's called encouragement. That's called encouragement. See, Paul needed somebody in that juncture of his life right then and there, somebody to encourage him, somebody to introduce him. God used Barnabas to make a way for Paul's calling and gifting to be used in the church. And think about whether, if this had not happened. Think about if this had not happened, if Barnabas wasn't there to vouch for him to open the door to him, the impact that it would have had, not just to Paul, but to the rest of the world, to us. I mean, they would have had great, great impact. Now, the second thing that we see is that Barnabas recruited Paul. He recruited Paul. And we read this in Acts 11 later on in verses 21 through 26. The Lord the Lord's hand was with them. And when he's talking about them, he's talking about the church in Antioch that sprung up. And, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And the news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians here in Antioch. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Barnabas had been sent from Jerusalem, the headquarters of the church in a sense, to check out what was going on in Antioch. If you know about Antioch, it was the third largest province in and city in, in the Roman province, the Roman um, province at that time. And since their word had come back that there had been this large group of, of Gentiles that had sprung up and, and started to like follow the Lord. And missionaries had kind of started spreading the gospel and this church had sprung up. And it was a large crowd of people who had never heard of, you know, the Hebrew Testament. They've never like read the scriptures. They, they followed lots of different gods at that point, but they, they came to faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and I love Luke's description here of Barnabas. He said that he saw the grace of God and that he was glad, that he was glad. He saw not just this ragtag group of, you know, diverse group of people meeting. He saw, he saw God's grace at work. And, and that's hard to do. That's hard to do when what you're seeing doesn't look like what you know when it's a different expression. I mean, these people were wearing different clothes. They were behaving in different ways. They were probably singing really strange music that he'd never sang before. Uh, but he was able to look through all of that and see, you know what? Maybe it's not the way I would do it, but boy, this is Jesus at work. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm gonna bless this. I'm gonna bless this and what I'm seeing here and I'm gonna speak words of life over it and I'm gonna watch it grow. And it does. I mean, when Barnabas gets there, it's like things go on hyperdrive. 
All he, he's bringing encouragement. He's not there to preach. He's not there to teach. He's, he's just being him and he's encouraging what he's seeing and it's starting to grow. I love, I love this quote. Encouragement is like peanut butter. <laughs> You're gonna remember that. Uh, encouragement is like peanut butter. The more you spread it around, the better things stick together. The better things stick together. And because of Barnabas's gifting mix, because he was an encourager, the, the church just blew up. In Antioch, it was already getting big, but it started to just grow. I mean, encouragement is really powerful. It is very powerful. We underestimate how powerful it can be. Now, the church started to grow to the point that he actually thought to himself, boy, we really need somebody to help out here. We need somebody who can teach these people, who can take this work forward and give it really deep roots. We need somebody who knows the scriptures like the back of his hand. And I know just the man. Barnabas, with profound wisdom, brought Paul, again, very much an action word here, brought Paul, and he put him in leadership in the church in Antioch. And for a year, they co-pastor this church together. And because of this, in Antioch, this is the first place we see people being referred to, the followers of Jesus being referred to as Christians as Christians. See, the, the church not only needs people who can, who can really take the work of God forward with encouragement, but they also need people who in prayer and humility can spot gifting and calling and call it out in other people. Amen? We need other people to do that. We need internal calls, but we also need external calls. That's a confirmation from the Lord that maybe this is what he's doing. And I love this quote from Mr. Rogers. You guys know Mr. Rogers? I really hope you do, because he's great. Cardigan and all. Okay, ready for this? This is profound. Makes me want to tear up. As human beings, our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each of us has something that no one else has or ever will have. Something inside that is unique to all time. It's our job to encourage each other to discover that uniqueness and to provide ways of developing its expression. Oh yeah, (laughs) there's weight on that. No way I would even be here today if it wasn't for key people in my life identifying gifting and prayerfully confirming my calling. No way, (laughs) if not for them, urging me on. Boy, we need each other to follow the purposes that God has for us, don't we? And the third thing that we see with Barnabas and Paul is Barnabas ministered with Paul. He ministered right alongside of him. And and we read this in Acts 13, two through three. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting in Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. This is a beautiful picture. But what we realized is that Paul's first missionary journey, it was with Barnabas. That was his right-hand guy. That was his, his wingman. And, and really, in some ways, Paul was Barnabas's wingman <laughs> because he had a little more seniority, didn't he? But think of how Barnabas must have shaped how Paul taught, how Paul pastored, how Paul saw people. And think about it. I mean, this is the kind of guy you want to have doing ministry with, right? You want a Barnabas on your team. I mean, he would probably constantly encourage Paul, speak words of life over him and confirm things. He saw the best in Paul. I mean, I want to do ministry with people like that, 
right? And I do, (laughs) thank the Lord. They lived life together. They ministered together. They pastored for about a year together in Antioch, but then they were missionaries together for two years, which means they were sleeping in odd places every night together. They were eating meals together. They were ministering alongside of each other, watching the Holy Spirit just transform these places. I mean, that kind of stuff brings you together. It makes you really tight and really close. And, And what we know is that they sharpened each other as they did life together. I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to go, well, where am, I, where am I doing life with people? Where am I ministering alongside of other people? And am I encouraging their gifting when I see it at work? Am I speaking words of life over that? And encouraging, or, or am I in competition? Am I going, well, she does it better than me and I feel a little insecure. And it's, it's easy to want to compare yourself when you're in ministry with someone. But but are we realizing that really it's all about the advancement of God's kingdom, not ours. <laughs> it's about, well, hey, she's got gifting too and, and we're able to do this together and partner together and look at how God's using her and more people are getting blessed and I'm all about that. I'm all about that. And I know they've said this before, but I personally have learned so much, so much by just doing life and ministering alongside of really great small group leaders. I have just so many wonderful people that I can recall that I have learned so much from because I've got to lead a small group with them. And now I get the blessing of being a part of the staff here at this church. And oh boy, talk about a blessing. Getting to do life with these people, watching how they react to certain things and respond to certain things and how they bless people and how they eat their food and how they, no, I mean, you know, you do in life together, you sharpen one another, right? You start to really encourage one another as you do life together. And, and you got to think about this, Paul, this is the beginning of his ministry. Paul did not end like he started and his life had to have been formed by Barnabas And I wonder the impact of Barnabas on Paul's later writings about love and about encouragement later on in his life. Had he seen it in action? Had he watched Barnabas live it and not just preach it? The impact that it had on the churches they ministered to. Well, the last time that we read of Barnabas in scripture is actually in Acts 15. And and I love that we're gonna end with this point because Barnabas disagreed with Paul. He disagreed with Paul. And we read in verses 36 through 40, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Might think it odd that I end with this last point, but I am so encouraged that this is right here in scripture, in black and white. Luke does not leave out this incident. See, they had both agreed on what to do and where to go, but they had not agreed on who to bring with them. And we don't know why Mark had left early on in the missionary journey, but for whatever reason, Paul felt like it was a desertion. And this guy who really can't be trusted anymore, well, we're not taking him with us on this next journey. (laughs) It's gonna hinder the mission. But on the other hand, Barnabas, he sees it really differently, doesn't he? Because he's looking at Mark and I expect he saw some change in Mark and, and he wanted to give him another chance. But Paul, 
is rejecting that opportunity. And the words here are pretty intense that Luke uses. This is not a friendly, easygoing difference of opinion. It's not. There's a lot of emotion in this word. And dispute between Barnabas and Paul, hard words are exchanged. And we can still see Barnabas really operating in his gift of encouragement here because he's defending somebody who failed. He's defending somebody who failed. And it says right here that Barnabas was determined. He was really determined, which means continually standing your ground and not giving in. He was defending Mark and he wasn't about to back down. But it also said Paul was insistent. Paul was insistent. Being an encourager does not mean that you are a pushover. Hmm, Nope, there are a lot of CEOs out there that are encouragers by heart. They're just incredible encouragers. And they're really successful leaders but they do see things differently than the Paul types in this world, right? And the Paul types, these are examples of two different leadership styles coming in conflict with one another. And it's not necessarily a bad or a good thing in the sense one is bad or one is good or one has a better argument than the other. They're just, they're just different. Paul is the kind of person who looks at a person and goes, what can this person do to advance the work of the kingdom of God? But Barnabas is the kind of guy who looks at a person and goes, what can the work of God do for this person, right? And they're just different. They're not better than each other. And they, bit, they both fit different tasks in, in ministry. See, Barnabas is a born rehabilitator and he's standing up for people and he's believing the best in them. And Paul's thinking, man, we cannot afford to have this risk, this guy on this very important mission. The task is way too great. Barnabas here is, he's willing to put courage back into someone who has failed. Put courage back into someone who has failed. And you just think of God and he is always in the business of doing that, right? He's in the business of restoring failures. Just think of the prodigal son, think of Moses, think of Peter. I mean, you just go through the list of really all the characters and God is in the business of restoring people who have failed. So what does it look like for us to do that? To put our arm around someone and encourage someone who has previously failed that they can somehow do better with the grace of God. By the grace of God, that they can aim higher than that, that they can succeed still. And here we see, we see Barnabas and Paul agreeing to disagree and they go two different ways. And God actually uses it. He uses it and he brings good from this really hard conflict. And now there are two different missionary organizations going out throughout the world. And see, after this, we actually don't hear anything else about Barnabas. He just kind of floats into the shadows. But funny enough, we do hear about John Mark, don't we? We hear about John Mark later. Not only does he, gosp- does he pen the gospel of Mark, But years later, at the end of Paul's life, we read in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul saying this, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. (laughs) I love this. So, okay, maybe, maybe there wasn't a right or a better side in this argument, but boy, did Barnabas succeed in helping restore Mark into the man that he was meant to be. What a legacy of impact we can have by being people of encouragement. Yeah, 
So I think these are all really great examples, right? I mean, endorsing people, recruiting people, ministering with people, even pushing back and disagreeing with people on behalf of those who have failed. But as, a, as the worship team comes back up, I want to end with this. I wanna end with this uh, because we can't try to be encouragers by just trying a little harder and saying nicer words and, and working on our words. No, it's, this is where encouragement comes from. We see this actually in Acts eleven twenty three, which is what we read. He said, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. See, encouragement is actually a gift and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives us to minister to each other to ministry to each other. It does not come from ourselves. It comes from God. Any one of us can do it. And, and what's beautiful here is that another name for the Holy Spirit is the advocate. And if you know that word in the Greek, it's paraclete. It's paraclete. It's really a very similar word to, para, to the same word for encouragement. The one who comes alongside to defend us to ourselves. Really, the Holy Spirit is the second advocate. Jesus is our first standing before the throne room to the Father, but the Holy Spirit is our second advocate and he defends us to ourselves. He encourages us about who God is. He reminds us about how much God loves and cares about us and is with us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our counselor, our advocate, our friend. And see, when the Holy Spirit encourages you like that, when he starts to build you up from the inside out, starts to speak truth to your soul, and he does, doesn't he? When you experience the love of God because of the Holy Spirit coming, and you just are like, wow, I feel welled up inside. I don't know why, and why am I, am I shaking? You know, I mean, it could be anything, but the Lord, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, we are encouraged, aren't we? We are so encouraged when the Holy Spirit meets us. Think of the times where you have experienced the Holy Spirit. Have you not been encouraged? And when you have been encouraged like that, you are enabled to then encourage others. You are enabled then to go out and advocate for others, to speak truth in love to others. We all need somebody to encourage us, to remain true to the Lord. Community is so important. It's so essential. Everything in our world encourages us not to be true to the Lord and not to stay true to God, to lay down and quit, but we need others to encourage us to finish the race well. Encouragement is everyone's responsibility. It's not just for some like, oh, well, they're just really great encouragers and I'm just, well, I just like to be encouraged. <laughs> It'd be nice if that's how it was, but we're all called to be encouragers. It says multiple times in scripture, especially in Hebrews, encourage one another. And I wanna end with this quote here from John Maxwell. It says, everyone has the potential to become an encourager. You don't have to be rich, you don't have to be a genius, and you don't have to have it all together, thank the Lord. All you have to do is care about people and initiate. Care about people and initiate. So in closing, I want you to just consider this. Would you consider doing this this week? And I just pray by the Holy Spirit, he reminds you of this during the course of the next week. Uh, would you just think of like writing maybe a brief note of encouragement to either a friend or someone you know that maybe even just is outside of this church. Uh, encourage them. 
take a moment to write words of life and encouragement and give it to them. Whether you do it in person or maybe through a text or you give them a call or you write them a note, take the initiative, take the initiative and care about that person by writing words of life over them. See, uh, when we speak words of truth and love over people, the Lord uses it, doesn't he? To build people up, to encourage them toward the purposes and plans that he has for them. So let's be encouragers, yeah? (laughs) Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.